Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show here presented by Uninterrupted. The Tomahawk Show is a podcast about literally everything you can imagine, hosted by myself, Andrew Hawkins, my humble co-host, Joe Thomas, 30-year NFL veteran and NFD who doesn't have a face, but he has what we like to call in the industry hot takes. Listen, subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, tell everyone you know about it, um, hashtag Tomahawk on Twitter with an H. Make sure you hit up our Reddit page, Tomahawk Show. Give us your feedback. Send us your questions. Give us your comments about how great we are because we truly are great. I'm back to work. Um, I had to take a week off last week because I saved a flock of pigeons. Um, and it was a big ordeal, press conferences, um, medals of honor from the president and everything. But I am back. But now Joe has decided to take a late spring break. Again, this is like his third spring break trip, which I guess you can imagine uh, happens when you retire from football. Joe, how, how are things down in Jamaica? Uh, as you can imagine, the uh, red stripe is flowing beautifully and the sun is out every night. And as you know, now that I'm fully retired, you actually can't be on vacation anymore because uh, I don't have a job <laughs> to take a vacation from, so I'm True. merely on a trip. You're merely I'm on, on a, a trip. trip to Jamaica enjoying my family time. I love it. And, and NFD, of course, is in his favorite spring break vacation spot, Cleveland. NFD, how are things in, in North Beach? It's great. Uh, the snow is starting to melt a little bit, so that's a plus. Um, I heard you say you were only gone for one week, Hawk. I think you were gone for a couple of shows, actually. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, I'm I'm back. I'm back in the studio. I'm actually in Los Angeles. So this is the first time I think we're in three different locations where it's actually semi working. Is that correct? Is that a good? And two different countries. Yeah, two different countries. This is why it's the best podcast internationally, and we are headlining the, the Cannes Film Festival. Listen on the show. This week, we talk Des Bryant, we talk NFL news, the legendary Tomahawk Q&A, and we have an interview I'm super excited about. We get to talk to Cliff Kingsbury, who is the head coach of Texas Tech, and honestly, a quarterback guru who has experience with all the quarterback names that you're probably reading in the papers this offseason. So let's just get right into it. Des Bryant, released by the Cowboys. Um, now he's looking for a new team. What were you guys' thoughts on that move? Well, I was a little bit surprised. I didn't watch much Des Bryant film this last year, but the perception was in the NFL that he's kind of lost a step a little bit. It's a little bit more difficult for him to get open, and that kind of led to some of Dak Prescott's struggles that he had this past season. So I guess it's not a big surprise when you get rid of a receiver that's kind of lost a step, but being that he's kind of been their marquee playmaker, for the last five or six years, um, it is surprising. And it does make noise. And a guy like Dez that's as passionate and as outspoken as he is, he's given us some great one-liners already about the Cowboys. And I'm sure he'll be blessing the media world with more <laughs> comments about his time in Dallas <laughs> throughout the rest of the year and maybe for a couple of years. I can't wait. we got to get him on the Tomahawk show. That's one of our – we're going to – our producers who are listening to the show, as always – we need Des Bryant. That's the next guy we got to get on here because we got to get some hot takes from Des. In my mind, like you said, I, I felt like it was it's a good thing for Des because like you, there's just situations where they run its course, where it's like the organization or that system isn't good for you and you're not good for that system anymore. And I just felt like with Des, Dak Prescott, like I actually think he plays better when he's targeting uh, Cole Beasley, who is their slot. Whenever he's targeting him more often – Dak is playing better. Sometimes when he's going to Dez, you know, it just doesn't seem like he has as much of a rhythm and their chemistry isn't there. So I still think Dez has a lot to tank. I think he's going to go somewhere and probably tear it up. Um, and we'll speculate where we think that could be. But imagine if he went to, like, New England. Like, if New England, if that family can stick together because they're going through some some turmoil of their own. But if they stick together and he has Tom Brady, like, that's, that's the blueprint that the Patriots have used for years. Prime, big-time receivers who still have a lot in the tank. You go there and maximize it. So the New England would be a great spot for him. But honestly, I, I think he probably ends up with the Giants because he's come out and said that's where he wants to go. He wants to be in the big market. Do you think he's got enough left in the tank to be a number one receiver somewhere else? Or is it better that he goes somewhere like the Giants, like you mentioned, where he could be Beckham's number two guy, where he's not going to get the number one corner he won't? gets a tougher matchup every single week, and it might give him a better opportunity to get some more balls. Yeah, I think there's definitely – I think he's the number one receiver for a lot of teams. But as you know, you get to a point in your career where 
maybe that's not the best business move because you might have better yard. Like he has, he might have better yards in New York being the number two because they're double covering Odell than he will somewhere else like Jacksonville, who doesn't really have a number one receiver, right? Um, so that that I think that's where he's at, and he understands. He's Des Bryant. He got to play for the Cowboys for his whole career, so he's a household name based on that alone. There are guys who don't even touch the field offensively or defensively who are household names in Dallas and have been treated like celebrities their entire life. So I just don't think there's certain markets that are good for Dez. I see him in a New York. I see him in a L.A. Otherwise, I could see him honestly taking a pay cut to be in those places just so he could continue to be that household name. So uh, I'm reading down here in Jamaica as I'm sipping on my red stripe on the beach that uh, <laughs> Dez Bryant has blamed his teammates and his coaches, guys, for his release? What, what's going on with all that? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think the report was, like you said, he blamed like some of the Cowboys captains, I guess, apparently that he felt like they were saying he wasn't good for the locker room and for the team, and that's why he got released. I blamed RG3 myself, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've had situations in locker rooms where guys are like that. I feel like a lot of people have that stigma about Des Bryant because you see some of the sideline stuff, you see some of the passion or some of the other things that go on. But he's not that's not even the kind of guys that scare me in a locker room. My my worst kind of teammate was the guys that you don't suspect who are manipulative or, you know, I I've seen veterans give young guys the wrong plays on purpose so they mess up because they they are threatened by their position. I've seen veterans, you know, weasel around the locker room and and talk to guys about things going on just so they can go back and try to report it to a coach so they become you know in their good graces they feel like oh man I'm a guy they have to keep around because I can give them a pulse in the locker room those are the cancers to me those are the kind of guys I don't want to play with that I think are horrible for a football team now I don't know the situation in Dallas but if it's like you know he goes off on the sideline or you know, he's vocal in the locker room. Yeah, there's there's some of that. You can't always have that. But, again, I feel like with so many different personalities, that's manageable. Now, Joe, you were a team captain with the Browns for pretty much your whole career in Cleveland. Was I was a team captain, too, in FD. Okay? You're not going to weasel me. I am a team captain as well. Give me that Give me that, Give me me that. that tagline. Huck was a team captain for a year. <laughs> Joe, you were a team captain your whole career. <laughs> was there ever a time where either of you went to a coach about another player in the locker room? Uh, boy, I'm thinking back. I, I can't remember ever being a situation where I went to a coach about a player like that. Typically, I think the best locker rooms, you handle those issues internally. You have a strong group of captains and leaders who are able to address that player directly. And there's very few times that involving a coach to be the heavy is the best way to do it. I could see a situation like in Dallas that maybe – the coach is always asking me a lot of questions about the players and maybe they're just giving honest answers like, Hey, look, Des is disruptive or he's uh, not meshing with what the team philosophy is, or he's hurting the young guys or whatever the speculation may be. Uh, but I, I can't just see that these captains are just snitches and they're running to the coach telling them, Oh, we got to get rid of this guy because I don't like him and whatever. Yes. That just seems very uncaptainly of me. That seems like something that uh, you know, a guy like NFD would try to get away with. Yeah, NFD is NFL definitely a little room. a little weasel. Me and Joe live by the mantra that snitches get stitches. So <laughs> we police our own locker room with the long arm of the law that we lay down. <laughs> all right, transitioning here, Amazon's all or nothing. It shows uh, Jason Garrett calling the Cowboys O-line soft following a week two Broncos loss. What are the kind of coaches that you best responded to, Joe? If a, if a, if the O line coach came up to you in week two versus the Broncos, and he calls you soft, nose to nose in your face, is that the kind of thing that's going to motivate you, or or is it time to get to the fisticuffs? I, I never found that motivating. If I didn't deserve it, I I felt the best coaches that I ever had were coaches that told me exactly what they felt about me, exactly how I was playing, how I could play better. And if I'm grading out at 100%, they tell me, you're grading out at 100%, keep doing what you're doing. If I'm at 95% and 5% of my game I can improve, they tell me exactly what I need to improve. That was the best way to get the most out of me. And additionally, if if I cared about the coach, 
and I wanted to please him and, and he would be disappointed if I didn't play up to his standards for me. Those are the guys that I felt over my career I played the best for. But a guy that's just going to try to yell at you and tell you you're soft when maybe the film tells a different story is a guy that I would lose respect for. Now, I don't know what the situation was with Jason Garrett and his offensive line because I didn't see that game. Um, but I imagine that they probably didn't play that poorly. Maybe it was just his way of trying to motivate him. But a lot of times with grown men, that doesn't work well. Right, especially when you're the best offensive line in the league. I'm like you. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't do the yell thing. Don't do that. Like, there's been a couple of times where I've, I've wanted to. I wanted to throw it out with the coach. You ever wanted to fight a coach, Joe? Have you ever had that in you where you're like, man, this could escalate into me having to let him know that I'm a grown man too, and we can take it there if he wants to. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that situation. I've seen players try to fight coaches. Oh yeah. Um, there's been plenty of times in my career where a, a coach tells a player something that he doesn't want to hear and the player gets in his face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've never had to deal with that situation. Um, I think there was maybe only one time in my career that I can remember a coach I really was upset about. But I would just pull him aside after the meeting was over and let him know, such you know what I was thinking and what I didn't appreciate about him. Such an adult, Joe. You're such a you're such a professional and adult. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My, my temper has flared up in games where it's – I've had to cool down before we had the conversation. And this is a perfect segue into another headline from NFL. James Harrison retired this week. So we will no longer see Debo on NFL sidelines. And I said that was a good segue because me and James were um, teammates in 2013. And there were a couple times where coaches talked to him a certain kind of way. And he did not take uh, kindly to it. And it was like kind of a little back and forth. And then they looked in his eyes and they seen that there was no, this was a a, a bridge that they weren't willing to cross and everything de-escalated. But Debo is that kind of guy, James Harrison, where he would let coaches know like, listen, this is not an act. And if you have one more chance to do X, Y, and Z, and then these are the consequences. And every single time the coaches uh, intelligently weighed those options and chose the right course of action. We'll put it that way. Uh, It's funny you said that. Uh, A guy like James Harrison, as a coach, you can try to be the tough guy, but in the end, you got to be convinced in the back of your mind that if it gets down to it and you're going to throw your gloves down and fight, you're not going to get your ass whooped. And with (laughs) James Harrison, you know you're going to get your ass whooped. So you need to back down. So that was was probably the smart decision for that coaching staff. I don't know if this is a real quote, but when when James retired, he said, I will no longer get to whoop Joe Thomas's ass. So what are we really doing this for? It's been real NFL <laughs> and a and a peace sign emoji. I don't know. We're, we're the researchers are checking the validity of that quote. But what is we already know your James Harrison story when you first got to the league. Is there any other stories you have with James Harrison that are, you know, the Tomahawk fans can get get a part of? Oh, I had a lot of interesting stories with James Harrison. There was uh, one game, he became really well known for this rip move where he would put his left hand kind of on your back and he would grab your left arm with both of his arms. (laughs) And then he would kind of throw his legs in the air and make it look like you were holding him. And he got like two holdings on me in one game and I just was dressing that ref down and I looked over at him and he was just laughing at me because he knew exactly what happened and he knew he totally had that ref and then I looked at the ref and I'm like dude he's laughing at you because he knows he flopped <laughs> thankfully I think after that point I don't got any more holding penalties that's funny from James Harrison James Harrison career, but... the savvy vet I'm gonna miss having him in the league yeah yeah I, he was a lot of fun he's the guy that's got a great personality a lot like Terrell Suggs, where he's always saying fun stuff in the media, and there's always good storylines around him. So the NFL is definitely going to miss him. Who is the bigger beef, him and, and Roger Goodell or you and Roger Goodell? <laughs> I would say him by far. Didn't he say he wouldn't piss on Roger Goodell if he was on fire or something like that once <laughs> in, in a know. Rolling Stones interview? I mean, it was it was awesome. It made me laugh so hard. That sounds definitely like a James Harrison quote. Okay, what else we got here? The, the, the regular season schedule comes out. Today, do you care about to the schedule, Joe? Is that like something you look forward to? Did you do you check it when it comes out? Oh, absolutely. 
that was almost more of a highlight than the NFL draft. Then I get to find out who my new teammates were, and I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, you got to find out when your bye week was. <laughs> True. <laughs> you get to start planning your vacation for your bye week. <laughs> but second of all, and almost as importantly, was you got to find out when and who you were going to be matching up from a pass rusher standpoint. Oh, okay. For instance, if I'm playing J.J. Watt week one in Houston, I know it's going to be 97 degrees, and I'm going to be exhausted playing against J.J. Watt in the fourth quarter. Now, if we get J.J. Watt in Cleveland in December in a snowstorm, and he can barely move off the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a cakewalk all game. <laughs> if i got to go play him the first week of the season and it's 100 degrees and I'm not really in great shape yet, I'm going to get my ass whooped. Yeah. I think we're going to leave with that quote for this for this podcast. If you're playing J.J. Watt <laughs> in Cleveland December, it's going to be a cakewalk. For me, I, I, I would look – only reason I would look at the schedule is because I would see when our cold games are – and at what time of year and how many we have. That's the only thing I would look for is, okay, I'm going to suck this game, that game, and this game. Okay, boom. I could have about 520 yards this year because of how many cold games we have. Because in cold games, you might as well send me back to the locker room. Yeah, don't don't even bring me out there. I'll, I'll block, but everything else, I'd rather not be out there. That's just I – hate, I hate it when it was freezing cold. I really did. This coming from a guy who played in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and uh... – <laughs> In Canada, Canada, Toledo, Canada, Cincinnati, Cleveland, from Pennsylvania. Yes, that's that's it. One thing I noted, one thing I learned though, late in my career is when we went to go to uh, joint practices with Tampa Bay because I spent my whole life trying to get to Florida and play for teams. And the last <laughs> season that I played with the Browns, we the joint practices in Tampa Bay. And I don't know if you remember that, Joe, but it was like a uh, hundred plus degrees in August. And after one day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, God protected my entire career because there is no way I would have been able with, to withstand this heat in any way, shape, or form. How could I have forgot that game? That was like – or that practice was like the worst day of my life. <laughs> so we went down to Tampa for three practices, I think, and I knew I was only going to have to practice one time. And it so happened that the one practice that they picked for me to practice was actually – recorded as the hottest day in Tampa history for that day in August. Right. It, like Cox said, I think the actual temp was like somewhere around 100, but the humidity was so high. There was no clouds and there was no wind. And even the guys from Tampa were dying. They were bringing coaches off the field because they were having a heat exhaustion. I don't know if you remember, but they were putting coaches in the ice tub in the middle of practice because the coaches were dying. I do remember that. I do remember that, bro. It was so hot. It was horrible. And, again, I I tell everybody I hate joint practices. I think they need to be done away with. The next CBA, joint camp practices should be done away with because here's why. When you go practice with another team, even if you're a hard practice guy already, when you practice with another team, you, there's that competitive nature, and it's almost like a tryout for that other team. So if you're practicing against the Bills or you're practicing against the Buccaneers or the Patriots, like you want to put your best foot forward understanding that there's a whole other coaching staff watching you, and the guy next to you is, is taking it so seriously that it, it's almost like a game. So you have these weeks where you practice two or three times with a team, and then you play a preseason game. That's essentially like four games for you for the intensity. And the Patriots, that's why they practice with like three different teams per camp because they essentially have like 14 uh, preseason games. And it's like the biggest loophole in the NFL to me, and I think they should be done away with. I think you need to get paid for them at least. That, that should be what the player's strategy is in yeah. the new CBA. You can't do a joint practice unless you pay us like a game, and those things will go away right away. Exactly. I agree. And we're getting the, the cue from, from the sound room that we got Cliff Kingsbury calling in right now. Yo, Hawk, I'm going to have to duck out here. I see the uh, red stripes are being opened on the beach right now, and there's a game <laughs> of beer pong that's open. So I'm going to duck out for a minute. You take this over, and I'll talk to you later. All right, I got you. And now, without further ado, it is our pleasure here at the Tomahawk Show to welcome in my favorite college football coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who is the head coach of Texas Tech. Cliff, how you doing today? 
I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. You know, you know what's more important to us here on the show, besides the fact you're the head coach of Texas Tech, you're a former NFL player. And our thing is we, we bring the player's perspective, a locker room perspective, and people always say, well, we don't want any coaches on, but you're not a coach. Because once you're a player, you're a player forever, and that's what I stand by. I appreciate that, man. As a former player, you definitely have a different perspective, um, especially going into that next phase of your life. You know that's not always easy, so exactly. um, I appreciate you saying that. Exactly. So as a pro, you spend time with the Patriots, the Saints, the Jets, some NFL Europe time, and a little CFL action, which I also came from. Talk, talk about what that was like for you as far as helping your development as a coach. Did, did that give you an advantage once you jumped into the world of coaching? No question. You know, when you're going through it, it's kind of, you know, why is this happening? This is so hard, having to learn a new offense, adapt to a new locker room uh, every year, you know, deal with new coaches. But then looking back, it was it was like getting a Ph.D. in coaching. I was fortunate enough to be with some great organizations, some great offensive minds. Had yeah. was forced to learn a bunch of offenses in a short amount of time. And so it really couldn't have worked out any better being that I went to the coaching field after I was done playing. And we'll, and we'll get into that more. But you guys just wrapped spring ball, right? We did. We wrapped it up. Um, this weekend was a spring game. And, and hey, how hey, it hey. works in college football is that assistant coaches can go on the road and recruit during the spring, but head coaches got to stay in the office. So uh-huh. uh, I'll handle exit interviews, do all those things, while everybody else is kind of out, out recruiting. That's awesome, man. Now tell me this. Are you going to be able to guarantee us a Big 12 championship? <laughs> is that we, I'm not a big, bar- I'm not a big guarantee guy okay. I, I can't give you that that right. sound bite we'll, 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 we'll I, take I the national you. championship then all right guarantee the go. national there championship you, you heard it. tomahawk <laughs> is doing that so you don't have to do it you won't get the quote there you go i'll Put get it the out quote. there exactly i appreciate it but no it's awesome because when you were playing you were drafted by bill belichick who is regarded as a quarterback guru just a football guru in general and you were a part of that first patriots super bowl run is that correct I was. I, I was there in 03. They'd won their first one in 01. Oh, okay. Um, That's right. So, so it was two. Yeah. Isn't that the second one? It was the second one. I got, got there in 03. And, and, uh, but we, we were on the team that won, I guess. We started two and two, and, and I remember, you know, the Boston media, oh, Brady was a flash in the pan, one-hit wonder. <laughs> and then we won 15 straight, I think, and won the whole thing. And then kind of the legend has grown from there. So what in, in your mind, just being there while you were with the Patriots, like, what, what was it that made Brady special to you? Like, what, what was the difference? Because I think a lot of quarterbacks have perspective on it. And you're a guy who got to see him up close. And I'm, I know you visit the, the Patriots practice frequently. I think I even seen you up there when I was there to have my cup of coffee there in the spring. Yeah, so yeah. What is it that makes Brady so special? You know, the work ethic is just insane. Um, that, that's first and foremost. He has kind of a beautiful mind for football. It, he can remember things. He can see it exactly how, as it happens and, and recite it back to the coach. His understanding of the, the protections and how he could work through them and, and get through his reads so quickly, it, it's, you know, on, on a genius level when it comes to football. And, yeah. and then, you know, he, he's a relentless worker. Like you, you watched his Tom versus time and everything he does is literally to make him a better player and prolong his career to play at a high level. Um, And if you're not willing to make those sacrifices, you know, he's going to beat you and he's proven that over and over. But uh, we were at a wedding. This is, Two years ago, or right right before he got suspended, uh-huh. yeah, Baker's Bay Bahamas, which is like Candyland for adults, most insane resort, nice place. Everybody's been up drinking the night before. It's like a Friday night uh-huh. uh, before the wedding. Everybody's up late, having a good time doing this. I happen to wake up. I get in a golf cart. I'm, I'm driving around to check out the resort. I see some dude out in the polo field. I, it looks like he's working out, so I cruise up there, and, and Tom, it's like 8 a.m., is pouring sweat already, has his assistant holding resistive bands as he's doing drops oh, on wow. this island in, like, May, you know? Wow. I mean, it's just like a, a certain insanity, if you will, obsession with, with being the best, and, and that's why he is. And you know what? And that makes 100% sense. I always tell people, like, and I signed there in May, so I just spent OTAs there, and I ended up retiring, going into camp because my knee was bad, and I was like, you know what? I just don't think I have it in me to, to last, not just an NFL season, a Patriots season, which is a, a completely <laughs> yeah, different that's a, season. That's a different animal, man. Yeah, I've like, been, I've been other there's places. no vet days with the Patriots. There's no, like, my <laughs> no, knee hurts, I'm off. No. I'm not going to do the sprints after they're... practice. Yeah, there ain't a lot of smiles and waving and high in the facility either now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's no like, oh, man, let's feel good about going to work. No, it's it's work. So that's like three seasons in itself. Not to mention you're going to play an extra four games off the bat. Yes. So Guaranteed. I knew I didn't have that in me, so I retired. But I tell people when I went there, 
the craziest part to me about just seeing Tom for the short period of time is because you know he's great. Obviously, you know he's the the best ever, in my opinion. So you know he works hard. You know he cares about it. But the obsession he has with detail and getting better amazed me because I try to put myself in the situation he is. And it's like, okay, if I had five Super Bowls, if I was regarded as the best ever, I'm making more money than I'll ever get a chance to spend. Not only that, my wife is making more money than we'll ever get a chance to spend. (laughs) I don't think I would have it in me to give a damn as much as he gives a damn. And that alone, to me, catapult him to the top of my list as the best competitor in professional sports, at at least in football. And the only rival, in my eyes, would be LeBron James. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and like, you know, you're talking about those OTAs. I was up there last spring and, and the same deal. The whole team is gone off the field and he's out there getting his extra drops and extra yeah. throws. And you're like, dude, it's May and it's like, you got this figured out. But if he misses, you, you saw this, if he misses one throw by an inch, he's going to stay after and throw 20 of them after, after everybody else is done. It's just exactly. it's an obsession. And, and uh, he, he does everything he can in his power to, to be the best. It, it was one of those things where I, I didn't want to, like, after, I mean, he cares so much. Like, you know, I, I was there and I was trying to pick up that offense. And that and learning that offense is like, is like trying to learn um, ocean biography. If that's even yeah, you know, you know, you know, because they start like they start at year eighteen. They started Tom Brady's knowledge of the offense. They don't start at year one. I was so (laughs) it's crazy about it. They'll tell you how frustrated I was. You can ask because I know you're very close with Danny Amendola, who have a tremendous amount of respect for his game, especially after being there with them with the Patriots. But you can ask him how my head was spinning. I'm a guy that literally just graduated from Columbia with my master's degree, and I go to New England (laughs) to try to learn this offense, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me. Why the plays on the paper look nothing like they did when Danny and Tom got on the field. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to pick this up because it's literally a completely different play. And they're like, yeah, that was easy, man. We've seen this, 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 and this. I'm like, you guys didn't even communicate. How did you change the play? Nobody even looked at each other. Oh man. It was the it's like a thing. rite of passage. Like, you'd be there three or four years and you kind of, you know, then the ball's oh. coming your way. It's amazing. I, 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 I can't say enough about how much respect I have for those guys, especially Danny. We'll get into Danny a little bit because he deserves it. He is like the most, like one of the best competitors that I've been around. Like he's a technician. He's so smart. He's so dependable, reliable. And he's like a guy that, you know, he doesn't talk a lot of shit. He, he just comes in there and goes to work, man. And I, I, he's a guy that I feel like people should give more respect to on the national level. I know the Patriots fans love him. But, again, once I was around him and his his attention to detail and you realize how important he's been to that organization, and I don't think people want to, like I said, a national scale realize that. No, I, I agree. Obviously being close with him and, and knowing, you know, going up there, it's not easy, you know, breaking into that system and, and mm-hmm. gaining Tom's trust. And, and he persevered and worked his tail off. And by the end of his run there, you, you saw it. I mean, the adoration for him throughout that entire building is phenomenal. Yep. All, you know, teammates, coaches, they, they love, they respect him. And, and yeah, man, he, he is a stud player and a great person. Yeah, no no question, man. So now I want to transition into Texas, Texas Tech football and specifically you because I don't get why people don't just have your cell phone on speed dial when they need good quarterbacks or figure out, like, hey, is this guy any good? Let's just call Cliff. Because here, here's a list of, like, recent guys that you've coached that are all basically in the news over the last couple of years. Johnny Manziel, who here in Cleveland we have uh, a lot of experience with. Um, Davis Webb, who was the 2017 third-rounder from Cal, right? That's it. Patrick Mahomes, who is now the Kansas City's number one guy. Case Keenum, who – took off last season, is now the the Broncos' leading candidate to to be their starter, and Baker Mayfield, one of the most polarizing picks that we've had in the NFL over the last couple of years. And these are all guys you've coached. So what is it about you that gives you that ability to pick them the way you do? Because these aren't most of these aren't guys that are like, you know, five-star recruits who everybody is picking. Those are the easy ones, right? Like the Sam Darnolds who are – you know, the five-star and have like a million offers that everyone jumps in on, how are you able to, to go and find the, the diamonds in the rough and, and make them these household names that they are? 
you know, I think there's obviously a lot of luck involved that you, you get young men like the ones you mentioned that are willing to pay the price to be great players. And I think that's the one trait that sticks out to all those those cats that I've been fortunate enough to work with is they all wanted to be great and they they work towards that end. Um, so there, there's a lot of good fortune in that. And, and um, then I think just trying to understand the position as best I can and, and um going through the different offenses, the different coaching I, I went through, I try to take a little bit of, you know, the best parts of everything I learned and, and pass it on to those guys. And hopefully that that's helped in their development as well. Yeah, no question. I, and we'll, we'll jump right into each one of them. I want to talk about all of them. Johnny Menzel comeback season. Did you buy a sweatshirt? Let's go. Let's you, go. I have, got one in my locker. Do you have I got a sweatshirt? One. Do you have the I hat? Got one. I got one given to me in my locker. Yeah, it's got the autograph everywhere. It's got I everything. It. I love it. What are your <laughs> thoughts? How is, is he going to get another chance? I believe he will. I do. I, I think, and you, you were around him. I, I think the talent is there. People can say what they want. He's not tall enough. He can't do it at the NFL, but he can, he can do it at the NFL. He just has never tried. Yeah. And at, at that league, in that league, you have to try, and it has to be – a passion of yours and, and you had to study all the time and work all the time and if he can get his mind wrapped around that he can do it and he can do it at a high level and, and I think teams see that I think you know he has to prove off the field he can handle himself but he's a phenomenal talent I mean, you, you take the last game he ever played um, I think it was at Kansas City and he rushed for over 100 yards against like one of the best defenses in the league that year yep. without knowing the playbook I mean just yep. going out there and being an athlete and doing what he does so I believe he'll get another shot. I hope he can he can handle it and, and will put the effort and time into doing what he needs to do because his you know skill level is phenomenal. He's a great competitor. He's just got to handle all that other stuff. Yeah, no, I think you said it perfect. He never tried. And that's what I tell people. When he was in the league, like he just didn't know what it took to be an NFL quarterback. And he's one of those guys right. at six foot. There's no middle ground. It's like me. I'm a 5'7 wide out, right? So people are always like, Man, you could have t- spent a couple more years as a backup. I'm like, no one's making me a backup at five seven. I'm either right, playing right. or I'm out the league. Right? You yeah, you're either ball or you're not there. They're, they're, yeah. They'd rather have a six four specimen that they're developing as a backup. Like, there's no reason for me to be a backup, and that's Johnny. Johnny is right. so talented. Where if he puts the time in, Drew Brees is the ceiling. But if he doesn't, he's out of the league. But he's no taking all the steps now to get it figured out. I see he's playing in the spring league, and he actually he looked really good the last couple of games. Do you have any good Manziel stories that we haven't heard? <laughs> that we can that I'm we wait, can say I'm on the tomahawk. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that buyout that that buyout uh, <laughs> movie to come out, man. Oh, I'm not okay. gonna, we gotta, I'm not gonna give away what I can sell. Okay, but yeah. There, there, it was it was never a dull moment. I'm telling you, the first spring, I, I didn't know what to think of this cat because you're you're going through spring football and, and he wasn't real focused and he was partying and he's doing all this and uh-huh. then he'd come to practice and you know this in spring right they blow the play dead yep. so you wouldn't get to see all the magic he's got running around and he'd spike the ball and he'd be cussing at me they wouldn't have got me i'm like sure john they wouldn't have got you well sure enough nobody would have touched him you know but we didn't know that in spring football so we get to the fall and and you know the, he takes off and does what he does but um he he is a tremendous tremendous competitor and talent and i i love watching him play so i, I hope he can get it figured out no, that's awesome, man. So now we'll go right into uh, Davis Webb. Davis Webb, he's a, he's an interesting cat because he's a guy that everyone kind of expected to get his opportunity in, in New York, and, and he didn't. They they went with Geno instead. Um, but I, I just don't know what it what the future holds for him in, in that franchise. What are your thoughts that makes Davis Webb such an interesting figure as, as far as New York sports is concerned? Yeah, I think, you know, being around the kid, he's – Six five. He's he's got a great football mind. He's uh-huh. one of the hardest workers I've ever seen in my life. He's got all those things. Checks all the boxes. I I think we all thought he would kind of get some time last year to see where he's at, um, but he didn't. And, and uh, it sounds like the Giants may not take a quarterback, which would be great for him. Obviously, Pat right. Shermer's one of the best quarterback guys ever, and and um, to be with the. Uh, guy like that will be huge for Davis development, but I'm a huge fan of his. I've always thought the sky's the limit with his potential, his ability. He happened to you know, be here with Baker Mayfield and Dave and Patrick Mahomes. Golly. So he, I know. So that's kind of a tough spot for him, but he went to Cal and, and really played well his senior year. And um, so I'm pulling for him. I, I know physically he can do it. He, he works harder than anybody and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out up there. You know, you, you said that you, it's a lot of luck when you're picking quarterbacks. And I'm going to call bullshit on that because <laughs> if you look at, like, how you pick your quarterbacks and how what you put them through and the way you make them compete, 
I mean, Davis Webb is the guy who transferred from Texas Tech, correct? Right. And Patrick Mahomes took over for him. Right. So you got to have some big ones to say, listen, you're going to come in here and compete with this guy because I see the ceiling for this guy too, and it's just as high if not higher than yours. And a lot of players just don't have that competitive nature or feel like they should have to compete for those spots. So Mahomes took over for Webb. Um, who did Webb take over for? Webb took over for Baker? Yeah, Baker, tra- Baker transferred, and then Webb you know, took over for him. And, and so it just kind of – Wow. Kind of all rolled that way, but um, you're you're right. It's it's you know I, I think particularly a college quarterback right now, man. If they don't play the first or second year, they they feel like transfer is the be- best option. And I, I just don't know how many times that really really works out. I mean, there there's definitely situations where it has worked out for people, but I mean, stick it out, continue to develop, continue to learn the offense, continue to develop that bond with your teammates, and, yeah. and one day you'll get your shot. So Baker Mayfield, man, that's. We have a heavy Cleveland uh, listener base, and that's all they want to talk about. That's all they care about. They're, wa- they're wanting him, huh? They want at Baker. Number one? They want Baker <laughs> at number one. They want him to be the quarterback here of the future. He said he's the one to turn this franchise around, and our listeners believe him, man. Give us some Baker stories. Give us what what's what's his DNA look like? What happened? Why, why did he leave Texas Tech? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we had a misunderstanding. It's been pretty well well documented. Yeah. Um, having to do kind of with putting him on scholarship. And uh, so it, it just kind of happened. It didn't, didn't go that way. And, and like we mentioned, we had other good quarterbacks. But um, I've always been a big fan. You know, he was a, a true freshman walk-on, the first ever to start a uh, wow. college football game, Division One college football game. We started him. Just really, really bright, competitive, you know, um, good arm, very accurate passer. Checks all the boxes. Um, you know he's got some edginess to him, obviously, but I've always been a big fan and, and pulling for him. Um, I like y'all's quarterback in Cleveland right now. I like you know Taylor's a two-time Pro Bowler. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. You tell me this, Hawk. I got you. So these GMs, I mean, you got to win this year in the NFL, right? Yep. If you have Tyrod Taylor, good player, two-time Pro Bowler, mm-hmm. and you got to win this year. Why would you not take somebody that you know is going to help you win games this year? Hey, man, you sound like you need to be a general manager. Trust me, I, no, I'd hire I'm just you, wondering. I'm Because I get the quarterback deal. But, I'm, I mean, if i got to win games or I'm losing my job this year, wouldn't you take a piece that's going to help your team immediately day one? When you have a, a two-time Pro Bowl, it took the Bills to the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. would you not take a piece that's going to help the Cleveland Browns be better week one in the NFL season? No question. No question. I think I think that's what they're doing. I think that, in my mind, how it's going to go is they're going to draft a quarterback, obviously, when, whether pick one or pick four or trade anywhere with, with within those. They're going to draft a quarterback, and they're going to they're going to make them sit. Now, the fans are going to want them because as soon as something goes right. bad or we play a that's team that we're outmatched spot. against, they're going to start chanting for them. And it's do right. you have the, the kahunas to say, mm-hmm. okay, no, we're riding this out. Tyrod is our quarterback. Until further notice, or until the next guy is developed enough to be the guy going forward, because everyone's searching for the franchise. If you have one of the top four picks and you don't have your guy, you have to pick a quarterback. But it's just a matter right. of picking the right one and putting them in the best situation. No doubt, no doubt, it's a tricky spot, man. It's yeah, and Tyrod is similar to Case. So Case Keenum is yeah. the Broncos, and now they're start talking about drafting a quarterback early. You know, and it's. <laughs> And, and he was he was in that same spot in L.A. So they're four and five with the, with the Rams that year, doing you know not great, but not their their kind of first year out there. It's been an uh, interesting situation, but he was in the same spot. Anytime he had a tough game or threw an incompletion, they wanted golf to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's that's a hard spot, even for really really talented quarterbacks to be in. Exactly, and if you look at that, and you know Nick Foles is another situation where if you stay in there with guys and you let them develop and you let them go through the hard times. There is a lot of upside to that, and there is a lot of benefit. It's just a matter of, you know, if teams have the patience to do that. No doubt. You tell no me this. Doubt. Couldn't agree more. What did, what did that conversation look like when you decided, okay, I'm going to start Baker Mayfield, who is a walk-on true freshman <laughs> quarterback in the Big 12? What the hell went into that convo? Because I don't know too many coaches who have, again, the kahunas to, to make that call. Yeah, I mean, it was the first – uh, game of my head coaching career and he just came in and, and he had it man he had he had that magic and he he can move around extend plays um, played at a great high school program called Lake Travis one of the top programs in our state 
Um, so, so we rolled with it and, um, luckily it worked out. He played really well for us and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history, but he just, when you know, you know, as a head coach, you got to do what's best for your program. Even, you know, I, I liked the other quarterbacks. They were really good players as well. I just, he kind of, you know, yeah. had that, that magic and we rolled with it. Man, that's, that's incredible, man. That's incredible. The next one we're going to get into is Mahomes. Mahomes is now going to be the guy in Kansas City. Uh, Alex Smith leaves. Everyone has seen the potential of Mahomes. I love Mahomes coming out in the draft. We have a mutual friend who sends me links to all of the guys <laughs> that he he's loves. He's a hype man. Oh, my yeah. gosh, man. But, he, you know, he's, he's usually spot on with it. Another guy he, he put that. me on to was uh, Grant, the receiver. Yeah, yeah, he's a stud. Oh, man, and I, I fell in love with the dude, so I appreciate yeah. our guy David who always does that. But tell me about Mahomes. What's special about him, and how do you think he's going to fare in Kansas City? Yeah, his, his arm talent is, is as good as, I mean, the best I've ever seen as far as just being able to throw from different platforms, different angles, off balance. You know, in the NFL, that pocket, you're, you're standing in a quarterback, you got to be able to get it out in a small space. And, he can do it with ease and get a lot on the football. He's very, very accurate, natural thrower, big, tough, athletic, strong, has has a real way about him that guys want to follow. He's not arrogant. He's not cocky. He just is very confident. His teammates love him. Um, and I've really seen a, a maturation from when he first got a Texas Tech to now. I'm mm-hmm. listening to him talk about, you know, protections and how hard he's studying up there with the coaches and being with Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds and top quarterback guys to ever do it is huge they've surrounded him with incredible skills so i think the sky's the limit i I got to watch him three years in practice and and make and he just made throw after throw you're like how did he do that um and now being up there with a supporting cast kansas city is gonna have a lot of fun watching this cat i I mean i i truly believe he'll be you know the highest paid player in the history of the game when his contract comes up i think he's that good wow that's that's a that's quite the the prediction there, and I appreciate it. No, that's good. So tell me this: you got to rank those those five quarterbacks, Johnny Manziel, <laughs> no, David Webb. <laughs> Come on, give me give me give me no. give me the top one. Who's the best quarterback that you coach? No, I, I I love them all, man. They 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 uh I love them all. But what's crazy? What I will say about the draft that's crazy is Case Keenum was a monster in college. I mean, yeah. a monster broke every record. He was uh-huh. phenomenal. And you got him going undrafted free agent who really had one team interested even in signing him as that. And wow. then you got, you know, Baker, who who's really, really good, same deal, but going to be a top five pick. So, yeah. you know, and Case earned his way there and he made $19 million a year and all that. But it just shows you, you know, how off that draft can be in that, you know, I always thought Case should have been a first rounder, but nobody right. even looked at him. But right. that, that's a draft, man. That's why that's it's That's the fun. way it goes. Well, you're not giving me no any hot, hot takes here, Cliff. Give me this. Who who has the most arm strength of, of the guys you coached? These are that, easy ones. Yeah, are... That's, that, that's Mahomes. Okay, that's Mahomes got the arm yeah. strength. Who is the he best running be. quarterback? Like who's the best runner? You know that you know that's Mr. Football. Gotta man. be that's, Johnny that, Foot. That, that's that's all the time there. What he could do in college is running the football. I've never seen anything like it. Okay. Most best accuracy. Uh who's that's most... that's tough. Probably Case, Baker Case, one yeah. of those two. And then Davis, Davis probably um, he, he was eaten up with the X's and O's as far as, I mean, he was studying all the time. The That's film work, question. understood it. I was going to yeah, say, he knows recite, it the most. He could, he could recite it up and up and down. His dad was a coach, so he was always around it. So, um, you know, football knowledge and studying and, and being all over it constantly like a maniac was, was Davis. All right, I'm not going to ask you leadership because that, that's another setup. Give me this one. This might be a tough one, but I'm still going to ask it. You got one drive left. You were down four points. With a minute and and twenty two seconds left on the clock, you got one timeout. What quarterback are you putting in for that final drive? I'm, I'm gonna go Tom Brady, man. I'm gonna go away from my guy. Go Tom Brady. Go with what? a friend. I love That's it. it. I'm st- <laughs> full circle. Incredible answer, Cliff. Again, we appreciate you joining us at the Tomahawk, man. We had a ton of fun. Texas Tech. We're all watching. You're my favorite team. Besides the fact that I think you're an incredible coach and you do incredible things with not as much talent as everybody else. I don't care. I'll say it. Um, But also, number one reason is if you're a 5'7 wide receiver, I know one (laughs) university who is is not going to judge you for that. And it is Texas freaking tech, man. So, again, we appreciate you. Make plays, baby. Just make plays. That's That's it. it. I love it. Well, appreciate you joining us, Cliff, man. Best of luck this season, brother. Thanks, Hawk, man. You're the man. So thanks to, to Cliff for joining us here on the Tomahawk. Really fun interview. I tried my hardest to get some hot takes out of him. He wasn't taking any, any of the bait. 
by far the best uh, defender we've had here on the Tomahawk Show. But, Joe, are you back from the beach? Are you around? I'm back, man. Unfortunately, the beer pong game did not go into my favor, <laughs> and I'm back for more Tomahawk torture. You know what? You jumped in the middle of that interview, and I didn't know what was going on. You came back <laughs> a little bit premature and almost threw everything off. I was confused. The rum punches have been pretty strong this morning. <laughs> this is our first drunk uh, broadcast we've done on the Tomahawk Show, which is fine. <laughs> any, any beer sponsors listening, we don't have a problem, apparently, of drinking on air. Um, so that's good. That, that's, that's, that's one thing we could, we can turn into some money here for the Tomahawk show. All right, let's do it. Q and a time. NFD, what we got? All right. It's time for the Tomahawk Q and a first question. How many red stripes is too many to continue a podcast? Oh, there is, that is not a real Ooh. stat. That is a trick question. There is no amount of red stripes <laughs> uh, that can stop a podcast. There is no amount. They just get better and better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our first question comes from Twitter. SFL student fish. Joe, do you think you could beat Hawk and NFD in a fishing tournament two-on-one? Well, I don't think Hawk is any good at fishing. Wow. And I know NFD is not good at fishing, so I think I could easily beat them in a two-on-one. Contrary to popular belief, fishing is not about randomized successes. There's actually talent involved, and I think I would wipe the floor with them. Oh, wow. You made a, a very, very judging call on me. What, what about me makes you think I'm not a fisherman? I've never heard one time in the history of our friendship you mention anything about outdoors. Fishing, hunting, camping, whittling, Boy Scouts, not one thing. Okay. I, 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 don't, so mention, what leads me to believe. I don't mention making babies, but I've done that pretty well, too, Joe. Oh, oh wow. Ooh, hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> All right. No, you're right. I don't fish. So that would actually probably be a really good episode <laughs> for us to go fishing together. Because I'm down for a little competition. But I agree. Joe would probably mop the floors with his NFD. What would he get? What's the next question? Well, this is along the same lines. This one came from Reddit from Scrambled Potatoes. Oh, I love Scrambled Joe, Potatoes. Joe, if you could only choose one outdoor activity for a day and take Hawk with you, hunting, fishing, etc., what would it be? But there was actually a response to that question that said, oh, my God, video of those two hunting and fishing would be gold. Uh-oh. NFD should join as well, blocking his face like Wilson from Home Improvement. <laughs> we might be we might be creating a TV show right now live on the Tomahawk. You know what would be really fun if I took Andrew to Alaska and we were doing like a moose hunt or something like that. I think that would he would get lost in the marsh because Dude. it's so short, like in Alaska. I would not. Um, I don't. I have to get paid big bucks to do that. There's no way I'm going. I don't even feel comfortable <laughs> with you and a gun in the woods. That seems like a, a recipe for disaster. The mosquitoes in Alaska are bigger than you are, Hawk. <laughs> just, just to let you know. Okay, I got you. I got you. What else we got? NFD. This is from Paul Brown PZ on Twitter. Who could eat the hottest spice out of you guys? Oh, I don't know. I think I can handle a hot spice. I'm gonna say me. I'm I feel really like Joe is good soft. at eating hot food. Are you? Oh, challenge! Yeah, I can, challenge! I, can I hear it. Challenge food. on. I think I can handle it. I don't know. I always see the videos of, of the people eating the really hot chip that's supposed to be like ridiculous, and like you have to hurry up and drink milk or you like pass out. I think I think I can do it. That's another some more some more content for the Tomahawk Show. All right, what do we got? Give me give me one more F- NFD. This one comes from Big Nick Ohio on Twitter. Who was the best player to give? team pumped up speeches before a game uh unlike probably most fans and some players i actually hated the pregame speeches it was a <laughs> distraction for me from focusing on my job so the best pregame speeches from my teammates were always the shortest i am with you 100 percent. i think that's another area that we always bonded on because we hated pregame speeches we would kind of look at <laughs> we'd be on opposite sides of the locker room and pregame speeches would start we would like side eye to each other from across the locker room like can we please just go do our jobs without this song and dance and play that we've we've done but there were some good ones out there you know the all two right, I got people that were always here. the most passionate uh, hang on nft i'm answering this question <laughs> yeah. here, right the two people that were the most passionate of the teammates that i've had were dante whitner and demario i was gonna Those say guys could go on and on like a, a preacher on Sunday. It was unbelievable. Demario Davis will be a preacher. That is a Tomahawk hot take because he, he would go in on the pregame speeches, man. Like, he is so passionate. And he would he would go crazy with it. And he was a really good one. 
Dante's was, were great too because he was from Cleveland. So I can remember one game where I think oh. it might have been the first game, maybe Dante had signed back, and he was like tears coming down his eyes, screaming about what it meant to be a Cleveland Brown. And I think he ended the 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 speech with, it was like, you want to see Cleveland? I am Cleveland. Break it down. <laughs> and we might have broke it down on I am Cleveland from Dante. <laughs> and it was for a guy who just got there. It was it, I didn't know quite what was going on, but it was a really good pregame speech. <laughs> Dude, I'll never forget that moment. That was great. Everyone was looking around like, holy crap, this dude's going to cry right in front of us. It's pretty good speech telling us I am Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, that was great. Gotta love it. Good stuff. All right, yeah, so I think our last topic um, is we had a discussion last week, and NFD put the poll out there, or the question, rather, of what our listeners should be called. Where, where are we at with the leader the leaderboard there, NFD? I, I think the top three – are the Joe Hawkamaniacs, Team Tomaflock, and the No Face fans? The no I think we have to go to a Twitter poll to decide which one's the best. Yeah, What's your take on those Hawk. I like them. I, I like the Tomaflock. I thought that was very catchy. Um, I like Tomahawkamaniacs. I like No Face fans, even though I don't think anybody really voted for that. I think there might have been a, a Dan uh, write-in entry, but I still, I still like it, and I'm all for it. Yeah, you know, I think they're all really good, and I'm going to wait to hear what our Legion of fans think before I throw my two cents in. All right. Oh, you don't want to skew the polls. I get it. I get it. I like that. I don't want to skew the polls. I don't want to bias our fans before they get the opportunity to get to the polls. Ethical journalism. That's what Joe is about. That's why he's such a hot name in in broadcasting right now. (laughs) Speaking of which, because we're such hot names in broadcasting, we've been all over the country – and we're on this tour because everyone's trying to recruit us to bring them in and the Tomahawk fans with us. So we're recording all over the over the world. So you have to bear with us, international um, podcast sensation, as we continue to, to work through our technical issues and the sounding. But next week, I think we'll be back together. Um, the band is getting back for a reunion tour up close so we can see each other because we miss each other so much. But listen, thank you for tuning into the Tomahawk Show. That does it for us today. Make sure you binge listen if you are have been living under a rock and, and haven't you know, tuned in to this uh, Forbes 40 Under 40 podcast. So now that you're with us, listen to all of them. Subscribe. Rate us five stars because they won't let you do six. Tell all your family about us. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag Tomahawk with an H. Our Reddit page, Tomahawk Show. And as always, NFD, tell them what they should do. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>